45 Years of the Rockford Files, revised 3rd edition. The complete history of the Rockford Files on television, now completely updated with more than 20 new interviews, additional photographs, and a whole lot more. 45 Years of the Rockford Files, available now at rockford45.com, rockford45.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, this is Shirley Jones, and you're listening to TV Confidential. You now, news guests tonight are Rita Hayworth, Gary Merrill, Alan King, Veronica Tyler, Ronnie Shell, William Schumann, Skit Henderson with the NBC Orchestra, and yours truly, Jim Lucas. Hello, and welcome to Back to TV Confidential, a radio talk show about television that relishes any opportunity it gets to talk to a true pioneer of television. And it's certainly the case with our guest tonight, Mr. Hugh Downs. In a career that spans, and that's present tense, folks, spans seven decades, Hugh Downs has left his mark on three of the most iconic shows in the history of television. The Today Show and The Tonight Show, both on NBC and the ABC News Magazine 2020. Not only that, Hugh has hosted such shows as Over Easy and Live from Lincoln Center for PBS, the syndicated talk show Not For Women Only with Barbara Walters, the long-running NBC game show Concentration, as well as broadcast television shows from both polls and just about every continent. The Guinness Book of World Records once certified Hughes Downs for logging more hours on network commercial television than anyone else, a record that only Regis Philbin has surpassed, which means that it is impossible to cover everything Hugh Downs has done in the course of one hour. That, of course, will not stop us from trying. So with that in mind, it is my pleasure to say, Hugh Downs, welcome to TV Confidential. Thank you. Good to be here. Great to have you. Also here with us today is our friend Phil Grice. Phil, of course, is the man who brings us the sounds of lost television here on TV Confidential. But in the case of tonight's program, folks, Phil is also the man who made it possible for us to talk to Hugh Downs. Phil, thank you very much and welcome. Well, it's been my pleasure and uh, I really appreciated uh, our communication you uh, a year ago. And uh, I brought up the potential to appear with uh, Ed on TV Confidential. I'm so happy that you elected to do so. Yeah, to be able to communicate in that way is always good. Well, you're definitely an icon in uh, the eyes of so many. And God bless you, uh, 92 and a half, the uh, type of uh, activities you still maintain is remarkable. It's been a pleasure and it continues to be a pleasure. I don't know why, but I, I enjoy that probably more than anything I can think of is that my years that I've been privileged to talk to TV audiences and, and radio, uh, it means a lot to me. Well, believe me, Hugh, it means a lot to have the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with you tonight. There are any number of ways we can begin our conversation. The, the way I'd like to begin is... 
I read in Steve Battaglia's book on the Today Show. I know you. Ta- I believe you talked to Steve uh, for for his yes. book. Yes. In Steve's book, he has a line where he quotes you as saying, "I once told a, a journalist that I have no talent." And when I read that, Hugh, I assumed you're just being modest. But when I think about it, in a way, you're 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 kind of being truthful because you don't have a talent. You have many, many talents because to do the type of things you continue to do in many different forms and in many different genres, that requires a lot of skill. And not everybody... Well, a lot depends on the definition of the word talent. <laughs> you know, a, a person with talent, to me, is somebody who's really good at uh, singing, uh, uh, piano playing, uh, dancing, whatever. I don't have any of those so-called talents. And I don't, uh, I don't know. On the other hand, if you say uh, communicating with an audience as a talent, I guess I would say that I do. I have done it for quite a while and continue to enjoy doing it. So it, it really depends on how you, what you call talent. A lot definition, uh, depends on definition. One of the things I really ought to clear up is it is, I still hold the record of more, of doing more on network commercial television than anyone. Two people, you mentioned, um, Regis Philbin. Oh yeah, Regis Philbin. Well, Regis, Regis has not been on network commercial television, uh, because so much of his stuff has been syndicated. Mm-hmm. So I, I still hold the record, actually, if you, if you want to hold, say those words, it has to be on the network and it has to be commercial and not just, uh, all kinds of times. If network commercial television under that category, I don't think that'll ever be surpassed by anyone because the networks have been so broken up mm-hmm. now, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and many people who have been on with, with, uh, other other forms of television who have been on uh, in front of cameras more than I have. I, I can think of two or three others. Uh, really, yeah, Regis Philbin, Joe, uh, the guy in New York down oh. camera. Uh, Joe Franklin. Memory Lane. Joe Franklin. Yeah, that's right, Joe Franklin. Uh, he has been in front of the camera more than I have, uh, but that still holds. You have to use those words: network uh, commercial. So it's been a rare and very pleasurable uh, thing for me to be in still holding the record that's uh, set when Guinness uh, went ahead with this investigation. Well, here's the way I look at it, Hugh. If, if you say, you know, and, and, and again, I'm glad you disputed this, but this is the way I look at it. If the record is for network commercial television, that that excludes public television, and you logged a lot of hours... On public television, um, when yeah, that's right. That's true. I do. That, that was a real privilege, I think, to be able to do live from Lincoln Center mm-hmm. for for a, for a decade. Yep, uh, it was very pleasurable to me, and I met an awful lot of people that uh, that were important to my life through recording, and to get to know them and become friends of theirs has been a, a rare a privilege. So, when you count, you know, the hours you logged on public television. The hours you logged on daytime network, primetime network, syndicated, I think you blow anybody out of the water. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think I did, I, it was a rare uh, privilege for me. But 
I, I remember, you know, when, when I was doing Live from Lincoln Center and Yo-Yo Ma said, I don't know where he got this because up to that time I never had publicized the work that I enjoy in, in composition. And he said, in the middle of the interview, he said, I hear you're a composer. If you write something for cello, I'll play it. <laughs> and my, my hair stood on him. Uh, where did he get that? Well, it took me eight years. But I finally, and, you know, I didn't have the amount of time on my hands that I might have done in a shorter time. Mm -hmm. But in eight years, I finished this piece for cello, which he premiered with the uh, uh, St. Louis Symphony. Mm -hmm. And my wife went down to St. Louis. Uh, for that premiere, and it was a real thrill to me because obviously I knew what it sounded like and it, I sounded it in my head before I wrote it down. But to hear it really played and to hear the reality of the, of the metagram with, you know, with all of the sounds you got in a, a, a real experience in, in an auditorium, mm -hmm. uh, the ambient sounds and so forth, that's a little different from just hearing it in your head, because in your head it's a theory. But in the concert hall, it becomes a reality. Well, that's pretty cool that you got a request from Yo-Yo Ma. <laughs> yeah, that, it, was, it was so strange. He, he liked to do things like that, as you know. He, yeah. he, and he not only hands down is hands off the greatest, uh, greatest cellist I think that ever lived. Uh, I, I knew... Uh, Two other American cellists that were very, very good, and uh, so I knew something about the instrument, but I didn't realize until I heard Yo-Yo Ma first play that he was is better than any of the others, and there, there are a couple of really very good. What first got you interested in music, Hugh? When I was a little kid, they thought I had talent as a violinist. It happened in school. I played a half-size violin. <laughs> they made half-size violins back then. And I don't think I was particularly talented. Let's put it this way. I don't think Yasha Heifetz was worried <laughs> about my playing. And as a result, I, I did study some piano, just how to play piano. Uh, but they also realized there and didn't waste time and money in, in that kind of ability. Because really talented young children show it very early, but it did teach me the violin taught me the treble cleft, mm -hmm. and then later when I learned, uh, my voice changed when I was kind of early for a boy, and I, I learned the bass cleft then. So if I knew treble and bass cleft, that gave me the ability to write uh, four piece harmony. Then you can start out writing some things, and I did, and I, I got arrogant ideas that I might, uh, I might be a composer, <laughs> and I finally went by the theory, and this is true, and nothing I, a critic could criticize anything that I could say on paper as music, but if it sounded as I wanted it to sound, they couldn't say it was wrong. You, you follow me? They, they, they could not, they could say it was bad, they, they didn't like it, that they didn't, the audience would like it. Uh, but if, if I, if I believed it and it, it came out the way I wanted, it, it could be laughed at, but if I, if I said that's what I want, it was right. And it would be, and the critic might be right that the 
see the idea that if I could I could write music, and if it didn't come out wrong wrongly and didn't sound like I wanted it to, that that would be wrong. But if it did that, it came out right. Nobody could say it was wrong, and therefore that gave me the idea that I could I could go ahead and write music, and I and that's what kind of started me. Well. When, when you talk about how, because you, the composer, composed it, it cannot be wrong, that kind of speaks to an idea I learned when I was in school, Hugh. Uh, I'm an English major, and w- when we studied um, structuralism, it has the idea of who knows, who really knows the meaning of a work? Is it the author? Or do or, or do we have the ability to know the meaning beyond the author? And so, and again, that's a debate. But it sounds oh, like that's, that's a very good point, mm-hmm. and I, I take your side on that because when, when I think how you know what was going on in Beethoven's mm-hmm. head when he wrote music long after he could even hear a note of it, how could we say what what happened inside there that he wanted desperately to put that down on paper mm-hmm. and make it sound like like it sounded, you know, think of the Ninth Symphony. Uh, it was just such a horrendously triumphant thing to do, mm-hmm. I think, that, that I still think about that and think of it when I listen um, by a recording or in the concert hall of Beethoven works. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today, Beautiful Anonymous. One more item. Here's something a lot of us have in common. Broken appliances. Broken air conditioner. Broken down heating system. Broken down washer dryer. Broken down refrigerator. And if you're a homeowner, you know just how expensive it is to get one of those things fixed, let alone what happens if more than one appliance breaks down at the same time. Well, if you're a homeowner, you can get all of your appliances on a warranty plan that guarantees protection for all of your home appliances in case they break down. And best of all, it will only cost you about a dollar a day. Call the Home Service Club at 800-264-3168, 800-264-3168. The call is free, and if you're one of the first 25 callers, your first month membership in the Home Service Club will also be free. Home Service Club, warranty plan, Guarantees protection for all of your appliances for less than a dollar a day. 800-264-3168. 800-264-3168. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411.
or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.